We are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tomorrow's World Now program. Uh, it's great to be here with our guests. Let me introduce them real quickly. First, to my far left, we have Mr. Gerald Weston. He is uh, president of the Living Church of God and an evangelist. And between the two of us, we have Dr. Scott Winnale. He was here last time as well. He's a faculty member and an administrator for Living University and also a minister. And uh, fellas, how, how are you guys doing? Doing, doing well. well. All right, good. They're actually well. Doing well. Fits the theme today. They're doing That's well. Right. We're going to be talking about health. Uh, my name is Wallace Smith. I'm the managing editor for Tomorrow's World Publications and work on the telecast as well with, with Mr. Weston. And before I jump into our topic for this particular uh, Facebook Live issue, I have to say you might notice something missing. Uh, can we get the wide shot of everybody and notice we're not wearing the headphones? More than you than I ever would have imagined have asked us about the headphones. Uh, they were to help us to hear ourselves. Plus, there's times we do plan on Skyping people in from England and other countries, just uh, various representatives we have in different places, and we'll need them at those times. But today, we're going headphoneless. So feel free to let us know on Facebook what you think. If we look more handsome, less handsome, I feel a little less like a superhero today because I don't have any special equipment. But uh, and I pray for us. Hopefully, it won't be the worst, worst thing ever. And also, I mentioned Facebook. Uh, please do, on Facebook, I'm going to get the cameras right. Please do give us some questions. Some of you gave us questions last time, and I apologize that we missed some of those. We will do our best to pay attention to questions this time. We did get one at the very end, and there just wasn't time to, uh, to cover it. But on Facebook, let us know your questions if we have some, and we will do our best to include those. All right, gentlemen, dun, dun, dun. today was a big day in the United States. Uh, the U.S. House has passed a version of its very contentious health care bill. Uh, here, for those of you not in the States, though, how do you avoid our news if you're in other countries? I, I feel so, sorry for you to a certain extent. Uh, there's been this contention to try to replace the previous health care bill that was passed under President Obama, and the U.S. House has now passed one. Uh, there's so much emotion involved in this and so much passion. Uh, it, is, it just happened literally moments ago before this program. Uh, what do you all think? Any thoughts on this? Any kind of impact this is going to have? Well, what I think is interesting is that all this is about health. Uh, supposedly we pass this bill and we're all going to be healthy. Uh, we, we know that's not exactly what they're saying. But at, at the same time, uh, health is not the result of money being thrown at, at uh, people. It's not the result of operations. It's not the result of drugs and everything. Not that those are all bad. Uh, there's a time for it. But there are causes to our poor health. And that's the, that's the problem. We're not addressing the cause. We're addressing the effect. And that's really what the health care bill does to some degree. And I, I'm not trying to put it all down because I think that there there obviously is a need for doctors, there's a need for uh, nurses, there's a need for the money to be able to treat the poor and everything. Right. But uh, we want to get to the cause of the problem. Right, right, uh, Dr. Williams. You know, what's the motivation behind the health care bill switch anyway? Is it really health or is it politics? That We don't have to deal right. with that today, but right. yeah, that really does come out very loudly. Right. Uh, but then the other thing is there, you may have well-meaning people, but what does the Scripture say that there's a way that seems right mm -hmm. to a man, mm -hmm. but it really doesn't take us anywhere. Right. Mr. Weston hit the nail on the head where we, we've got to stop these problems before right. they begin rather than put Band-Aids on them later on. Well, okay. I appreciate what both of you said, uh, and I'm, let me, I hate the word devil's advocate. I think it's the worst phrase ever. Let me just say advocate for the opposition real quickly. Thought came to my mind. Uh, studies show uh, that people who are wealthier, on average, if I recall, do tend to have longer lives, uh, do tend to be healthier. 
is, is does money play no role at all, or uh, or does it have any kind of role to play? What seems to make the difference, you think, in those circumstances? Well, wealth is one piece of it. You look at socioeconomic, so it has to do with not only how much money they have, but their education levels, their understanding of how to prevent things, their access to high-level goods, clean water, um, healthy foods versus less healthy foods. So right. money is a piece of the puzzle, but it's, it's not the whole thing. I, I think it would be good to just clarify that we're not really doctors and we don't give out uh, right. advice that way, but uh, Dr. Scott Winnell is uh, a doctorate and uh, has his doctorate in public health. So he has some background by which he can speak on this particular subject. Right. Uh, he has a, a doctorate in public health, and Mr. West and I are both members of the public <laughs> who have certain levels <laughs> of health. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we, we, we hope to be healthy. Uh, okay, t speaking of the public, the CDC had a report, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, just April 2017, so hot off the presses. The title was, let's see, <laughs> the title a call to action. The title was, Let's Work Together to Stem the Tide of Rising Syphilis in the United States. Just the image of a rising tide of syphilis, I don't even want to describe the images that seem to bring to mind. But it is a serious plague. There's a, a, a graph actually in the, uh, in the document that talks about, demonstrates the rapid increase since about, looks like uh, 2000, 2001, just skyrocketing rates of syphilis in the U.S. It's growing and growing and growing and actually seems to be accelerating. Uh, any thoughts from, from either of you concerning that? Because some would say, given the, the recent health care debate, that we need to solve that by throwing more money. The reason it's happening is people don't know enough. Uh, we need to educate them and we need to get more cures, more, more, more vaccinations out there. Uh, any thoughts? Well, I think one of the, the uh, problems we have is we think that uh, we can just behave any way we want to, and we'll have some new drug that's mm. going to solve the problem. Going to give us the freedom to do what we want. Right, and, and we don't want to change our behavior. In fact, we say that, well, young people can't change their behavior. Uh, just saying no doesn't work. Well, what we're doing is not working either. Uh, this, is, this continues to grow. You know, what's really amazing is for decades, the public health community, you, you cited the CDC, the WHO, the World Health Organization, right. has, and the CDC and other health agencies, Pan American Health Organization, all around the world, public health professionals have known for decades how to prevent syphilis. Mm -hmm. They've known how to prevent uh, chlamydia. They've known how to prevent HIV and AIDS. They know how to do it. Right. They know how to eradicate it within a decade, mm. but they don't want to talk about it because it's not politically <laughs> correct. And so what do we do with that? We, we keep throwing money and we keep throwing actions in mm. it, but nobody is willing to have the courage to step out and say, okay, let's do what needs to be done to prevent it. Let's go back to something that God revealed in the scriptures 3,500 years ago to the Israelites. Right. Because we, we call them what they are. They're sexually transmitted diseases. Mm -hmm. Just by the mere category, we've demonstrated we know how these things are passed on. If we know how people get them, 
doesn't that immediately suggest we know how to we know what to do about that? We need to actually stop doing the actions, uh, the uh, the the fornication. All the, oh, it's an old timey word, but we need a comeback for the word. I was like, we need a comeback of fornication. That's not the way to put that. We need that word uh, used more. Yeah, Mr. Weston. Yeah, I think it's interesting that even our politically correct society has to change how we describe these things. They used to be called venereal diseases, and that sounded <laughs> so terrible and awful. So they changed it to sexually transmitted diseases. Now it's uh, STDs are not STDs. sexually transmitted infections. infections yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we want to change it to kind of sanitize it somehow. Have they really changed that to sexually transmitted infections? I had no idea. Yes. Disease just sounds it sounds so bad. That's right. And it's only an infection. You know, I got a little infection, and oh, I've got a sexually transmitted infection. You know, you're right. I when I grew up, that's what they were calling them was venereal. But even then, they instead of venereal disease, you'd often hear VD. Right. Uh, because we don't like to say the words, you know, we want to kind of sanitize things. But it really is. Uh, one of the statistics in the CDC says that it has increased 67% just from 2011 to 2015. It really is uh, skyrocketing. In particular, oh, there was just a very sad article. Uh, let's see, what was that? If I, yeah, it was a CNN reported that there's record STD rates in newborns. Mm. newborns being born with syphilis, where you, you don't have a choice. You come into the world uh, possessing this sexually transmitted disease. How much sense does it make to say that a baby has a sexually transmitted disease? Uh, I know we've talked about this earlier. Any thoughts from you, any you know, of you? It's really sad when you think about it. God says in the Scripture that He's going to visit the iniquities of the fathers to the children to the third and fourth generation, mm -hmm. and that's what you see. This, the really sad thing about syphilis is those little babies that are born with syphilis, about 50% of them are, are stillborn. Wow. So they're not even born mm -hmm. alive. Those who are born have a whole bunch of complications from brain problems right. to vision problems and blindness. Uh, these are things, again, that can be prevented if people just confined sexual activity to the marriage that God designed between one man and one woman. And, you know, this, this kind of goes back to a previous program that we had on the subject of, uh, you know, uh, why certain things happen to people. And... Uh, we want to blame God when we see a, a little child that's suffering this way, but who is responsible? It, it's the parents or the, the, the two people that came together to do this. Uh, they're the ones that created the problem, and I think that to blame God for everything, when God tells us what to do, He tells us, look, if you obey these laws, nothing's going to happen in a, in a bad sense in, in this relationship. These diseases are not going to come upon you. Right. But we go out and we do anything we want to. We want to throw God out of everything and then blame Him for everything that goes wrong. And that, of course, is... Uh, it's not going to solve the problem. It's just going to cause people to blame somebody, but it's not going to solve the problem. Right. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a world of, of bad things that happen, earthquakes and hurricanes sure. and all the rest. Uh, but really, when you start looking at what does happen on planet Earth to mankind, around mankind, how many things actually are rooted in our choices of how we've created a civilization, uh, how we conduct ourselves within our societies, the things we choose to do as individuals and in our families. And if you took a look at all of those and contrasted those with how God says in the Bible to live your life, how to structure your civilization, and how many of the how many of those tragedies would be connected to just not doing those things? Yeah, we want to blame God. It's like blaming mom and dad. And mom and dad say, hey, uh, don't go out past 12 o'clock. I know the gangs are driving around past then. Then you go out and a gang you know, a member shoots you, you caught up in something. Oh, mom and dad, it's all your fault. Well, no, they, they told you not to do that. It's a, yeah, it's the world wants to do what it wants to do. And, well and the heart finds its reasons. You know, what's really exciting to me when I look at the scriptures and then I think about 
why God designed them the way he did. There are so many answers to societal problems in the scriptures. God says, obey me, keep my laws and keep my statutes. And so many today want to say, oh, that's just legalism. We don't have to do that anymore. You're putting us down and subjugating us. But when we realize that God gave those out of love, when we realize that he says, keep sexual activity between one husband and one wife within marriage, and when you do that, not only do you eradicate lots of diseases, over 40 sexually transmitted infections go away, but you also have a whole bunch of other benefits that come with that, which is really exciting. Right. It's a matter of living life the way it was designed to be lived. Mm -hmm. You know, just being willing to actually do the things that that God says. Now, we know that it's a... And this would be a good opportunity to say that. When we talk about these kind of things, we're not saying that those out there who are, say, are fighting for more money to be put into healthcare, mm-hmm. or are fighting to, to eradicate disease or, or come up with vaccines. I'm not here to talk about vaccines in detail. But I know there are a lot of passionate, uh, good people trying to do good and trying to alleviate mm-hmm. suffering. But then we see consequences in the world because we're trying only to do it our way. To me, this ties in with superbugs. Uh, we have an article, it was just a quick reference actually that uh, I know Dr. Scott Winnell had passed on to me about uh, a form of superbug that had been found in Galway. Uh, Galway, I think that's in Ireland. Mm-hmm. This actually comes from the, uh, the Irish examiner. Uh, but it reminded me of reports I've seen uh, concerning the growth of superbugs. What are, some of our viewers may not be familiar with superbugs. Superbugs are tiny viruses or bacteria that wear a cape and fly around. No, that's not what they are. Uh, Superbugs are these bacteria and such that are resistant to virtually really every known form of uh, antibiotic, except perhaps a very few, but then eventually they acquire even a resistance to those as well, and we are major tools. We don't know how to stop them. Um, Any thoughts about that? Because there's a lot of work to try to eradicate those, but it seems like it's sort of backfired. The efforts of using uh, some of these antibiotics have backfired on us to a certain extent. Well, the... uh the, uh, the viruses, the uh, infections just get stronger and stronger because they mutate in such a way that they become resistant to them. And I think that's what we're seeing because we're using so many antibiotics, not just when we get sick ourselves, but we're putting them into cattle, we're putting them into chickens, we're putting them in our environment in general. And so even if you don't intend to, you're taking in some of these uh, antibiotics. And eventually these bugs get uh, to the place where they're resistant to everything, MRSA, um, methicillin resistant uh, Staphylococcus aureus or whatever it is. Uh, Good is job with that. We're going to assume you said that perfectly, just so you know. We're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, speaking of these diseases, I'd like to ask Mr. Weston in particular, uh, because you lived in Canada. He's a world traveler. And... Uh, you know, there was a, here in America, we haven't seen some of these major outbreaks like you have in some places, and nothing like the times of uh, typhoid and some of these major diseases in the past where just hospital beds everywhere and people suffering and and having to be isolated. But uh, Canada dealt with uh, SARS uh, not too long ago. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on that level, but it was probably the closest thing to something that was beginning to frighten the public about growing to that sort of level. What was your personal experience that? Anything you can relate to us? Well, it was very interesting being in Canada, especially the Toronto area at the time, because that's where it was hit the hardest. Uh, 440 people actually came down with SARS, not SARS, uh, yeah, SARS, and uh, uh, 44 died, exactly 10%. And it was a a little bit scary, although I don't think that most of us were worried on a day-to-day basis, but I'm surprised they got under control. It, It came from China. Uh, from actually from uh, Hong Kong, from Kowloon is where it started. It started uh, 
from, they believe now, from eating bats or handling of bats, not so much the eating, but the handling of bats for medicine uh, purposes. And so here was something that God actually said, don't eat, don't mess with that. And they did, and the end result was that a lot of people got sick, uh, over 8,400 people altogether. But what was amazing is how they got it under control. And this really surprised me, but it was primarily through quarantine. They had over 10,000 people at one time quarantined huh. in the Toronto area. And most of the problem was in the hospital where it you know, could be spread from one person to another. But had that gotten out, really really gotten out into the public in a general sense, we would have had a very, very serious problem on our hands because the uh, chief medical officer would be on the television night after night and basically point out that we can do nothing to stop this. We just hope that a person's immune system will kick in in time to take care of it. Oh, really? So he actually That's, came out in public oh, and publicly said that. that they, there was nothing that they could do to actually, they had no treatment for it. Because that's one of the things I wonder about. Uh, oh, worry would be too strong for me to say I worry about it, but would be panic. You know, when someone comes on and says, look, this is out and we can't stop it. it like the Ebola crisis came to mm -hmm. the U.S. And it seemed like there was so much fear that it, and then it really didn't spread a whole lot. It was generally contained and taken care of. That I, I'm kind of wondering if there will be increasing number of announcements like that and then nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And then the fear starts to drop and then something big big does show up. Uh, Dr. Winner, you have thoughts? I was just thinking, yes, your, your clarification in the restriction of your word, you don't want to say worry. <laughs> uh, this is something that worries public health officials. Mm. It worries them greatly mm. because having diseases that you cannot stop, Zika is one of those. What do you do with that disease? How do you treat it? You can't. Right. You just have to let it run its course. And with these superbugs, more and more of these bacterium are developing a resistance. If you can't turn it off, hmm. you're going to lose vast populations. They're talking about losing 10 million people a year to superbugs wow. by the year 2050, mm -hmm. which is pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. 10 million on a world population is not a big deal, but 10 million people that you can't help, wow. that's, that's concerning. And then if it's an infectious disease and it gets loose, how do you stop it then? Right, right. And, and I think it comes close to home in a lot of ways because, for example, uh, MRSA, MRSA, uh, took the life of one of our former associates, Mr. John O'Gwen, who wrote for the magazine and actually did the telecast for a, a period of time, one yeah. of our really strongest people. Yeah, he was my uh, pastor, nine, ten years. Your yeah. pastor. That, yeah. that's, it, so it hits home, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, my father died of uh, essentially the effects of a C. difficile, which is a hmm, is right. a hospital-borne uh, disease because of uh, various, you know, it affects people in hospitals. So this stuff can hit very close to home. It may be small numbers worldwide, but if it's you or if it's a loved one, it's not so remote. Um, I want to say real quickly to our folks out there, uh, we did get a question, for instance, about uh, tensions in Southeast Asia and the role for that in end-time prophecies. I'm going to say tuck that one away for a future episode because we're not talking about that right now. But I want to acknowledge, I saw it, looking forward to questions. Also, we have viewers from uh, Normandy, France, uh, here in Charlotte, in uh, Reedsville, Georgia. I hope I said that right, Georgia. It was Reedsville. Uh, also, Victoria, Australia, uh, some in British Columbia. So anyway, a lot of folks watching and appreciating the topic. Uh, let me move from this to environmental issues. Uh, there was an article in, let's see, where was this from? This Oh, from The Telegraph. 
Telegraph.co.uk is where we found that on April 26, 2017. The title was Toxic Diesel Particles Penetrate Right Through to the Heart, Scientists Warn. Let me read just the beginning. As toxic particles from diesel vehicles can work their way through the lungs and into the bloodstream, raising the risk of heart attacks and strokes, uh, researchers have proved for the first time. The nanoparticles, which cannot be traced by government measuring equipment, so they're not able to track these particles, stay in the body for months and tend to build up in areas that are most prone to disease. Mm. What I want to ask you guys about is how do what do you do about your health in an environment that seems like it's almost designed by evil forces to kill you food water air uh what, what are y'all's thoughts well we live in a world that is not god's right it is the it belongs to the god of this world the god of this age at this point in time obviously though we can do a lot we can do everything we can to stay as healthy as we can we can try and eat right we can try and exercise regularly. We can try and do things that boost our immune system to fight against some of these invaders. At the end of the day, though, we have to come back to the great God, don't we? We have to get on our knees, and we have to pray to Him, and we have to ask for His protection, something that even Christ and the apostles did. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think in a lot of ways we can be thankful we live at this time that we do, because in so many ways, we've, we've solved a lot of our, our problems. Uh, we have more sanitary conditions, for example. We don't have to uh, work quite so hard out in the sun all the time as, as our uh, forefathers did that, that died at a much earlier age, at least in, in a general sense. There were people who lived a long time, of course. So, you know, as some of this stuff kind of balances out in a way. Most people, at least in our Western world today, are living well into their 70s, even their 80s. And so... Uh, you know, we're all going to die of something sometime. It's also, I think, interesting that man tries to solve his problems one way and he creates another problem. Right. Uh, diesel uh, is very clean, for example, in the United Kingdom, where this, this article comes from. Uh, but it is these very small particles that we're dealing with. And so uh, I was living over there until last July. And right about that time, about the time I was leaving, this is when this stuff started coming out, they're, they're asking the question, have we gone the wrong way? Because there's so many diesel cars, and they seem so clean. And so man's best intentions sometimes don't always work out right. the best way. Right. We, we can't predict the future sufficiently. Uh, we can right. invent something that seems fantastic, have the best of intentions, but we can't see around corners. We can't actually uh, see down the road to see the consequence of all of our choices. We did get a related question from Facebook. Someone asked, what do you think about the rise in autoimmune disease and other diseases among the American people? And do you think it's linked to the pesticide chemicals that are and chemicals that are used on our foods and in our vaccinations? Let me add, I don't think any of us here are technically qualified to evaluate the chemical compositions, these things, and the impact. But if I can say, autoimmune disease is kind of a category of modern ailments, many of whom we don't, many of whom it seems like people didn't have in the past, or at least we didn't recognize them. Any thoughts about that related to our changing environment? I think it's complicated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we live in a world where diesel... Uh, particles are getting into our systems, what does your immune system know how to do with that? Right. We are putting everything in plastics today. We've got all kinds of things that we're breathing in, in the air. We're putting things into our bodies. 
perhaps through immunization, through all kinds of other things that we put into our bodies. Right. We're living it under more mm -hmm. stressful conditions, which again impact the immune system. And these autoimmune diseases are immune diseases. So right. there's so many factors. I don't think you can necessarily pull one of them out and say, okay, this is the reason why. When it's, yeah. it's the whole of society that's actually molded and fashioned more in the image of the God of this world right. that is bringing upon us uh, these all kinds of these different strange diseases. Right. I really appreciate that. The society, were it to continue, there's a certain amount I wonder how long really it can continue as it is, but it's going to develop in ways we're going to adapt, we're going to learn new things. King David in the past didn't have to deal with diesel particles. He had his own things to deal with, you know, and then man would learn ways to deal with certain things, and then we invent something new. But there's things we do know. Mm -hmm. uh, the world is constantly changing. It's throwing new variables at us with new values, but there's a constant we know, and it is God Almighty and His Word. And so we want to try to wrap up because we're coming to the end of the program. We do have more viewers from South Africa and Haiti and Barbados and even far away Wyoming. And uh, right. uh, he would appreciate Wyoming. you Wyoming folks. Uh, so let's wrap up a little more positively. God gives us some guidelines. We may not know what the world is going to throw at us in terms of new diseases, new, new kinds of fuels that infect our lungs and the rest. We do have a God uh, to worship who actually does give us guidelines. Um, what are some positive impacts we can make on our health and the health of our family uh, by, by just looking at what God has to say? Any thoughts? Well, I think we can overcome or avoid a lot of the problems that do exist in our society. Uh, if one is monogamous, uh, you don't have to worry about all these sexually transmitted diseases. You don't have to worry about AIDS or syphilis or chlamydia or any of those things. Uh, there, there are just a lot of things we can do. We know that by getting more exercise, eating properly and everything like that, we can avoid certain things. So uh, people are living longer in some respects because we have better food supply in terms of the, the quantity and variety of it, and may, maybe not the nutrition always, but uh, overall, uh, there's a lot of, there are a lot of positives we have here. Look at the world, uh, how polluted it was in the 50s. A lot of our lakes are cleaner than they used to be, much cleaner. So there's a lot of positive things we can see, but especially if we obey God's laws, we avoid so many of the problems that are coming upon our society. Yeah, I think coming back to that, God says back in Exodus, if you obey me, if you keep my laws and my statutes, none of these diseases are going to come upon you, which come upon the Egyptians. And within reason, the more we follow his way of life that he outlines in the scriptures, the more blessed we're going to be. Here's a, if I can just share a study, um, Fox News published the article, but they're actually pulling from professional journals, and the headline is Seven Health Benefits of Being in a Happy Marriage. And they talk about the, the benefits, and these are really high-level medical journals that are publishing these side effects, or these... Uh, these uh, benefits? The, benefits, the thank right. you. Um, but... Uh, this journal found that married couples had lower levels of st the stress hormone cortisol, uh, which causes all kinds of problems in the body. But the results are, if you're married in a happy marriage, you may be uh, less likely to die of cancer, better protected from heart disease and stroke. You may fare better in surgery. You may, be, you may age more happily, live longer, and enjoy a better quality of life over time. Hmm. Now, here's science telling us this, and God a long time ago said, it's not good for a man and a woman to be alone. It's good for you to be married, right. and it probably wasn't just so Adam wasn't lonely. We see now that there are medical benefits of that union that 
God ordained. Right. Yeah, you know, I find it, it's interesting when it comes to science. Uh, I mean, because I'm a science fan. If you've you know read the magazine or watched our webcast, you know that. But it is interesting what studies tend to get large play and what studies don't. You know, if it's going to promote global warming, you see a lot of it. Uh, if it's going to promote that uh, transsexual lifestyles are dangerous for people and harm them, you don't see it. And yet, you know, there is science that stresses you know that pretty impartially. Uh, it's nice to see that there's a way of life that works. Uh, Mr. Weston, you had something in mind, I can, I can tell. You got oh, that on your well, face. Oh, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, a very simple thing. People who smoke have much greater risk of heart disease, of cancer, uh, lung cancer, and everything else. So if we obey God, but I was, I was just looking over there where God says he set before us life and death. I call heaven and earth against it to uh, witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Mm. Uh, therefore, Choose life that you and your descendants may live. God offers a better way of life, and people put God down as, as though he's against us, when in reality, right. he's for us. And so right. uh, Mr. Dr. Winnale here is exactly right. right. There are so many benefits that God gives us, and especially in marriage. And No, absolutely. You know, what both of you all said reminds me, because the promise in Exodus 15 and others, we were talking about this earlier, a lot of these are... Uh, community blessings, that the more people in your society live this way, the more you're going to experience that. You can protect yourself, you know, if you're sick, you stay home and you don't spread it to other people, you're healthy, you go back to work, but you can't control Bob's ceiling wall who shakes your hand and shouldn't be there. Next thing you know, you got, you know, flu cooties all over yourself. But the more a society commits itself to doing that, the more blessings there are. People want to blame God when a child is born with a disease, like syphilis. Though that child is innocent. That, that child didn't know what it was doing. It, it didn't decide, hey, I'm going to do some activities that'll bring on a sexually transmitted disease. But the same prophecies, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 18 talks about how the fruit of your body will be cursed mm -hmm. if you don't do these things. He says, I give you these laws as a benefit to you for your health and for your good. And he warns you, your children will suffer if you decide to create a society that doesn't keep these things. But all the more, we can start with our families to create a society that does. Uh, we're really about to wrap up. Our time's almost done. Do we have any uh, closing thoughts from anybody for our viewers on the topic? Well, I think about the beginning of that chapter of Deuteronomy 28, mm -hmm. and God says, if you obey me, here is the list of right. blessings that is going to come upon right. you. And we, we have the opportunity to try and live that way. And what, what's exciting to me, we have the booklet, The World Ahead, What Will It Be Like? It's one mm. of my favorite booklets that we publish because it gives us a vision of, a, of what society can and will be like one day right. when people really do try and live this way of life. Right. Yeah, we have a number of resources. I did a program on uh, Ebola, another right. one on SARS, but uh, the program on Ebola shows the causes of it. They know what the causes are. They go to the meat market because they know that these things are transmitted through certain types of animals, uh, animals that God told us to, to leave alone. Uh, we have another article on uh, not eating the cleanup crew by your father, who's also a, a doctor in uh, what uh, it's PhD. public health or something mm -hmm. yeah. the effect of that, uh, but he talks about not eating the cleanup crew. Why why do we eat the the animals, the creatures that God put there to be the vacuum cleaners of the earth? Yeah, yeah. We actually concerning the Ebola article for or the Ebola telecast. I checked. You just go to the website. You go to the little search box up in the corner and just type Ebola. Uh, the amount I want to touch your computer after that. But anyway, your computer should stay as clean as it was before. And I don't think it was the first item listed. It was like the second item, but all those resources are easy to find on our, on our uh, 
little website there. So feel free and check it out. That's all for our program. Uh, thank you, Mr. Weston. Thank you, Dr. Winnell. And thank you to every single handsome and healthy individual in our control room. Uh, that's all for this particular episode. Uh, please check us out next week. If you will come, we'll plan on being here. So thanks.